0: You're listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration, a podcast dedicated to helping software executives stay on the cutting edge of sales and marketing in their industry. Let's get into the show.
1: This podcast is sponsored by Gong. Gong empowers your entire go to market organization by operationalizing your most valuable asset, your customer interactions. Transform your organization into a revenue machine by unlocking reality and helping your people reach their full potential. Get
0: started now at gong.io. Hi, welcome to B2B Revenue Acceleration. My name is Aurélien Mottier and I'm here today with Matt Milligan, co-founder of u How are you doing today, Matt? Thanks for having me on the show. Absolute pleasure. So the, the topic for today is great salespeople are made, not born. But before we get started, would you mind just giving us a little bit of background as to you know, who you are yourself, Matt, but also the company you represent, u
1: yeah, absolutely. So, look, I I started my career actually in the world of professional sport. So, growing up was was sport mad. Wanted to be be a footballer, then an athlete, then a cricketer, and then finally a golfer. And uh, I ended up. Playing a elite level golf in my kind of junior years, that took me out to a professional golf tour in South Africa. So I played a season on the IGT tour down south in South Africa, which is an amazing experience, incredible journey. Didn't ultimately, my my professional golf career didn't quite pan out. I wasn't wasn't the next Tiger Woods, but learned a hell of a lot along the way. And, and actually, you know, if I think back, picked up, Probably a lot of my, my philosophies and, and the way that I think about building business from the golf course had some amazing opportunities to learn from really successful business people on, on the golf course. So took that with me in, into the world of business and I was always, always enjoyed selling, always enjoyed building stuff, always, you know, even throughout my academic career. And then I ended up, you know, joining the world of consulting when I was told by my mom that I had to get a proper job. And so I went into to EY and within six months... Came up with a business idea whilst I was working at EY. and So built, you know, kind of pitched for for funding internally from the partnership there and built a business within EY, which was called the Startup Network. We built a marketplace for startup and scale up founders in Europe to help them raise money and then help them sell into enterprise and had an amazing journey there, a period of four and a half years, built a team, built a service proposition and worked with maybe 300 plus go-to-market teams. And their founders, and that was where the idea for UHubs came from. You know, we, uh, I think it. You talk a, we talk a lot as as founders about pattern recognition and spotting trends. And I definitely saw a lot of the same patterns playing out when it came to scaling revenue teams. So I saw that as a big barrier to growth for fast growth businesses. Sales enablement was a relatively new term back five six years ago, and we didn't see a hell of a lot of options available to fast growth businesses. And so we've set out to build U-Hubs to help solve that. And you know, U-Hubs, as I mentioned, we're a sales enablement solution. We're focused really on helping Series A plus founders and their, and their sales leaders you know, save time, ramp up their sellers to full productivity quicker. And we do that using competency data to intelligently develop salespeople. Makes sense, makes perfect sense. Well, it's a fantastic story, first of all, so congratulations.
0: We we always believe I don't know if it's a myth. I still believe it. So if it's a myth, it's still it's still very much in my mind, but that good athletes or sport people do become good salespeople. And I don't know if it's if it's the habit of training or the habit of working as part of a team or the habit of you know, taking rejection, you don't play you're on the bench. Will you take it personally? now you're gonna think about it, go by in training and, and try to get on the pitch next time. But um, yeah, it's very interesting it's very interesting that you went from, you know, group sports, collective sport to, to, to golf. Golf must be quite lonely. You know, I'm not really good at golf myself. So, you know, maybe one day you can show me a trick or two, but yeah. And, and, and what you've done after with EWA is, is very interesting. And I believe that there is real, real, real value proposition interest for a lot of people around the U-Hubs simply because as we discussed in the preparation of this podcast, there is a massive shortage in sales talent. You know, you have lawyers, doctors that go to school to learn their craft, uh, but there is no school, no university, no way to, you know, from a an institutional educational system or education system, ins- institutional education system to actually learn sales. So it's very interesting that you guys have invested in developing new apps. Now, before we go, we go into the details of how you do it and what you're looking for and how you get started and the process that you are going through. I just want to go back to the title of the, the episode today and we're speaking about good salespeople are, are not born, they are made. So I just want to get your take on that. And then why do you think it is that way?
1: Yeah, so appreciate the question. I, I must disclose as well. We, I kind of cheated a little bit with the title of the show today, Ray, because at the Sales Innovation Expo last year here in London, I delivered a keynote on the same topic. So we created a little bit of noise down there at the Excel arena. We had some blow up. Inflatable babies, which became a kind of strap line for us as a business. and it's interesting, right? I think there's a bit of a, a limited belief across a lot of should we call it more traditional sales professionals that you've either got it or you haven't and, and sales is, is something you're naturally gifted and you cannot you cannot learn it and uh, you know for what we stand as a, as a business, we're really here to, to change that perception and prove that you know incredible amazing sales talent can be built it can be made we aren't just born uh sales and to be honest with you I'll, I'll start by casting our minds back in throughout history if you think about the history of sales i think the first recorded you know the first early record of of a sales transaction was like five thousand bc you know they were like bartering with rocks and objects you think about how much sales has evolved in in all of that time through different sales methodologies, different market environments, different expectations of buyers. The, the short of that, that history is that sales has evolved and it's adapted a lot. And, and therefore, salespeople have had to evolve with those changing environments, right? I think that just indicates that as salespeople, we, don't, we aren't simply born with the, the natural gift to do it. We have to constantly be evolving our skill sets. We have to constantly be growing and developing and improving our craft. And that's why, you know, the philosophy for us as a business and what we stand for as, as founders of the, of this company is that we're here to help people realize their potential and develop and make themselves into great salespeople.
0: Good. Yeah. I do like the, the idea of the inflatable baby and the whole company they must have been creating a, a little bit of disruption, which is always good. Okay. So I get that. So you, you can help people to develop their skills. You can help people to become better, you know. Now, to challenge a little bit the idea, recently I've been doing some 360 where the feedback I got from my mentors were more about, okay, well, don't try to work too much on your weaknesses, but try to concentrate on your strength, because this is really how you can develop things. Working on your weaknesses may not be good. So that's that's one thing that I I, I want to point out. The second thing is, I do believe, rightly or wrongly, and, and please challenge me if you disagree, Matt, that curiosity is... One of the traits that it's very difficult to teach people. You either have it or you don't have it, but I think it's it's a behavior that is quite critical to become a good salesperson. You need to be inquisitive, curious. And, and that that's just one that I want to mention out of, of many. So so I guess my question to you is: what sort of strengths, weaknesses, behaviors, or skills, or soft skills? What's the what's the start product? So you know i'm not talking about the baby i'm talking about the umbrella here what, what do you need that umbrella to look like for them to actually move into sales and, and become good at sales what, what would you be looking for in terms of when you build the audience the value the qualities of, of this individual
1: yeah it's a great question and it's a great point you make ray you know you're, you're quite right there are for sure certain core competencies that we see in in high performance commonly i'll share some of those in a moment we've done a load of research recently with our partners at Wiser Elite, the recruitment organization, um, we actually put 100 of the top sellers in EMEA through our UHub's competency tool, which we call Aholps. So we got a, a lot of data in terms of what the common characteristics and competency areas are of those high performers. And you're absolutely right. You know, like Curiosity, you mentioned there is one that comes out really strongly. I think it's a very hard one to, to develop. One area which we assess, which came out as top, was actually growth mindset. So the highest performing sellers have a really strong aptitude towards growth mindset. And for those who aren't as familiar with growth mindset, what growth mindset essentially means is you are, going back to our point we made around professional sport, we're coming- you are listening to this podcast. If you're listening to this podcast, you are working on your growth mindset. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it, growth mindset is about, accepting failure and setbacks as learning opportunities. It's about being able to bounce back and, and come back stronger from those, those setbacks. And it's also about adopting a marginal gains approach to how you develop. So understanding that improvements come not from drastic overnight change, but they come from those little daily 1% improvements. So growth mindset would, would be another kind of core, core competency area. Obviously, one, when we think about onboarding salespeople into a new organization, product knowledge came out in the top three. Having a deep understanding of your product, it's very hard to sell something if you don't understand what you're selling. And then interestingly enough, another top three competency for high performers came out as time management and planning. Now, even you know a lot of salespeople that I know who are high performers probably wouldn't consider themselves amazing time managers. But if you think about a core competency for a seller you have to be able to run your day you have to be able to structure your day effectively you have to be responsive to clients you have to be good at following up and you have to be consistent and you know without that ability to manage your day and and your time effectively it's really hard to consistently get results yeah i agree with you in fact you know this is probably one of the
0: time management and planning this is probably one of the biggest gap between the sdr bdr world which which we are operatics evolved in the NDA world. So like, obviously when we speak about sales, sales is lots of different things. You could do lots of things in sales. You could be an inbound response person, which is more like a help desk helping people navigating. You could be someone who is doing prospecting cold art, which is another skill set. Then you've got the people closing business. As you mentioned, you may be in a very large organization where everything is super processed. You've got one step to the other, to the other. You go through a machine, you've got a playbook, and you kind of have a little bit of, you, you could probably put a little bit of your own, of your own little spirit in the process, but basically the machine will dictate what the next step is. And and then you've got probably the enterprise sales, where I think it's, it's kind of the, the even, heaven of selling, where, where basically people, I, I think the heartful part of sales is, is really at, you can't really have a process there and particularly when you're selling something disruptive and you are trying to get the first sale, that's why you need to be like, you know, top of your game. These are the gods of of selling, really. But what we see, we see a lot of, you know, SDR that wants to become A. It's almost like A, you know, I'm a young boy. I was born in the UK, so not me, you. <laughs> I was born in the UK, so I should play football or I should play cricket, you know, or I should play rugby. Because this is what the sports are available. And, and I should do that because I'm a boy. Okay. So it's almost like it's in your head that you've got to do something because you are associated to something. And it's almost the the community, the group that is leading you to, to go there. So we've got lots of people who think that the, the next step for them is to become a, but that time management and planning is often the gap, right? So I was in a system. I used to plan my day to do calls, to do things, to send emails. I had my routine. But now my routine is completely changing. I've got a quota. I'm not getting results every day. I'm booking a meeting so I'm doing a demo every day and stuff like that. I'm getting a results potentially every three months, every six months, every nine months. Worst case scenario, every 18 months. Okay? And we know that the longer the sun cycles go, the less you feel something when the deal actually comes. Yeah. But yeah. you know, they are missing that two things that they are missing is that sort of is the chemicals that are going through their body of the wind. Which is not happening every day, but it's happening on a on a less often basis, on a more, you know, spread basis. And the second thing is time management and planning. You get in front of it, you've got a target. How do I break it down? What do I need to do? That sort of journey is very difficult. And and what we found, my last comment on that is that it's actually tough because if you think about it, you've got you've got two things going on here in the balance. You've got the market asking for junior AEs to come on, okay? And of course you want to fish from that pond of of SDR, PDRs that have been good. But the problem is that most of those companies that need junior IEs do not have mentors, do not have the processes, the system. They they are not a you hub, okay? They're not like you guys looking at skills and competencies and stuff like that. So, okay, you know what? I'm going to pay you a lot of money. Here is a target. Go and achieve your quota. I may help you, but will I be on calls with you? Will I be debriefing with you? Will I be able to give you advice, topics and stuff and research? And, and that's what's difficult because I think the mentoring is, is one element. The coaching is, is very important and not all sales managers are able to coach. So that's kind of leading me to, to a bit more about you guys at your hubs. I'd like to understand more about your process. So now you've got the right person. Okay. What happened next? You know, what was what, the journey
1: from there? I'm sure there is a few. But, but what happened next, Matt? Yeah, it's, you make a number of great points there. And, and just to, to bring that to life, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Ray, where you talked about the importance of the sales manager. The sales managers really for us at U-Hubs are an integral part of the process. So the, the way that we, we think about this at, at, at U-Hubs is really the, the first step is is understanding what your baseline is. So, by a baseline, what I mean is, what does good look like for salespeople within your team? What are the, the common competencies? You know, we spoke about some of the competency areas there across the board that are really important for success, but specific to, to your business, your team, the product you're selling, who you're selling it to. What are the competency areas that your high performers have in common? And what, is, what does that baseline look like? Once you've, you've got that understanding, you know, the, the way that we do it is we have a seller assessment, which we've developed over the past three years. We've worked with psychometricians here in London. Um, we're actually attached to London Metropolitan University based down in Shoreditch. So we've done academic studies to help us build out the science behind our technology. We, do a, we put sellers through a seven-minute assessment. Okay. So what that does is it gives us an initial indication of some of what we call their natural... Strong competencies, their superpowers, as I like to refer to them. We call them exactly the same, the superpowers. Awesome. But then, you know, as 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 they start ramping up, we we then involve the manager. So we actually have the ability for managers to do an observation of each of their team based on what they've seen and observed on call recordings or selling out in the field, and by combining those those two inputs with their KPIs, so then, you know, integrating with their CRM and actually understanding how they're performing, we can now start to create this picture of where each salesperson is stronger, where the gaps are between that seller and that baseline that you've defined in terms of what good looks like. We can then really help managers hone in on the areas that they need to coach and develop each of their team members. And then alongside that, you know, we do a bit of the heavy lifting for them. We have a load of content within the tool. We have development recommendations that we can make on behalf of managers. Because let's not forget, you know, sales leadership is, is a tough job. We wear lots of hats. There's not enough hours in the day. So really, you know, we exist to make sales leaders' lives that much easier. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. So c-
0: coming back a little bit on the topic of, of selection. So, you know, you mentioned three key points. Well, I agree with you. I think product knowledge is kind of straightforward, you know, uh, and I guess from my perspective, it's either product knowledge or really strong interest or passion for the industry. Because I think if you like something, you don't need to know how push bikes are working. If you like cycling, you don't, you know, you're gonna get to know it because you actually do that every weekend. So, that's, 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 but I think it's, it's a passion for the industry or passion for the product that that can be found. But curiosity and growth mindset. How do you suggest for any sales leader listening to us today that what should be the technique they use to assess that in an interview process or always
1: within their team currently right now to see if they've got that? Yeah. So look, obviously there's very tactical things you can do in the interview process, which help you screen, you know, and if you've got a scorecard that you use, we always recommend clients roll out a scorecard to support the interview process. But again, you know, going back to that baseline, once you have that baseline that can help you build out a more accurate scorecard, because all of a sudden you're now screening Candidates against that definition of what you know is good. So you, you will now be screening against those competencies that are important for success, like growth mindset and and curiosity. In terms of how you actually do it in, in reality, there are tactical things you can do within the interview, right? And there's been a lot of content written thought leadership on, on this. But, you know, if you think about things like growth mindset, you can interview around how they've overcome adversity, what if they started and gone on to finish? You know, how do they think about improvement? In terms of things like curiosity, you can simply assess how many questions they're asking you. And, you know, the best candidates that I've hired in my sales leadership career have been candidates that interviewed me. (laughs) You know, and you get to the end of the interview, you think, wow, like they're super curious. There's tactical things you can do like that. On top of that, you know, we've our assessment, her screens for natural aptitudes like this. There are other psychometric approaches in the market that you can test and use. But one thing that I'll just add on, on all of this is it's, it's been really interesting to see how different competencies are required within different businesses for success. So this is one thing that we at UHubs hubs are really keen to educate the market on is there's no one size fits all for success in sales. It's super dependent on what you're selling and who you're selling to. And just to give you an example of that, I went for lunch last week with the head of sales enablement at Canva. Now, was the incredible growth story, what they've done there, like amazing. They've, they, you know, the product led growth that they've been able to achieve, but they've capped out a little bit on that and they're hiring a lot of salespeople now. And I had a conversation, They they use a very similar approach to what we do at U-hubs they use a psychometric assessment to screen for natural aptitudes and competencies and the leader at Canva said something interesting to me he said you know the number one competency that we've un- that we've we've learned is most important for success at Canva natural introverts so they look to hire natural introverts people who are naturally reserved don't like to talk or shout much aren't necessarily the life and soul of the party because they've identified through looking at their their gong recordings and their analysis that the natural introverts listen more. They're better listeners. Particularly when you're selling to marketing leaders, they've identified that that competency is the most important for success. I I just thought that was fascinating and goes to prove how by understanding what good looks like for your team can help you make so much better hires, but it can also help you develop sellers in the right areas. I think you made a, a, a very
0: good point here, the, something that we realized very late on because it was 2019, 2020, you know, as we got into the COVID stage, we saw that best salespeople are the guys who are a bit loud. You know, you want someone who is a bit laddish, you know, someone who has been who's been playing football, is a bit loud, it's good banter, play hard workouts, you know kind of like so it's going to be a good addition to the team. And, and, and you are right. These guys tend to speak more than they listen. They tend to like themselves a little bit more than they like others, So there is not a lot of empathy or emotional intelligence. And then as we, as we got into COVID, we realized that we had some very, I'm not going to say very average performer, people who are maybe not as performing as much as we would like, who are struggling in an office environment. Okay. And I think they were struggling in an office environment because they were, they saw that they were listened to on a consistent basis, judged on a consistent basis. So those more introvert personality, when they were at home on their own, doing their own thing, could concentrate on what they were doing versus concentrating on what people are thinking about them. And we saw a turn of the laddish stereotypical type of sales guy would potentially have their production going down a little bit because they don't have the buzz of people looking at them. And the introvert would see their production going up. So we looked into that and we found something very similar. Now, I'm going to ask you the same question. I don't know if you have the answer because I don't know if you have that question at lunch, but how do you assess if someone is a natural introvert or not? Because introvert is one thing. What, what, what am I, there is is natural part of it. You know, how do you get someone who is really reserved? How do you do it?
1: Yeah. So I guess, you know, that's the. That's the secret source behind psychometrics, you know, by asking a series of of questions to sellers over a repeated basis, not making it apparent which question relates to which competency area, you know, we can start to draw out seller responses and start to build a picture around their behaviors. And, you know, that's how psychometrics works and that, that's what our our technology is built around as well. So, you know. We're constantly adding new competency areas into our technology. We have 16 core competencies now that we look at, but what's been really interesting as well is the ability to benchmark salespeople. You know, I mentioned the report and research piece we did, we did recently on this topic. We've got thousands of data points now on seller competencies, and we've also got seller competencies aligned to revenue performance. So we can now start to create an understanding, you know, for different industries, different sectors. What what is that baseline? You know, what is that definition of what good looks like? And you mentioned it at the beginning of the conversation, Ray, around in sales, we you know we don't have that industry standard. If you're a finance professional, you've got the CFA. If you're a salesperson, there really is not much. So you know, we at UHUBS, in terms of our longer term goal and vision, is we want to become that global industry benchmark, we want to create that standard of excellence for salespeople and then along the way, help them understand their strengths and and improve. Okay. So, okay, let's say, let's say I'm, I'm listening to this podcast and
0: I'm like, God, I love the sound of what Matt is saying. I love the sound of you hubs and what those guys are saying. When can they embark with you? Is it as the BDR, SDR journey? Is it before that? Is it for people who have an AE team? Is it for people who are trying to get the AE to sales management
1: or is it the full spectrum? It's a, it's a great question. And look, y- y- you make a great point again by honing in on the challenges of sales leadership. And quite often, sales leaders get promoted into a sales leadership role because they are a high performing IC. The challenge with that is that leadership is incredibly different to carrying a bag. And for any of us who have been on that journey, we know there's very little support for sales leaders in organizations. And this is one gap that we've observed time and again, across the industry, sales leaders don't have much support to develop their leadership skills, to understand how to become a coach, how to lead from the front. So there's a lot of help that they need. It's a a really big focus area for for us and what we're doing. And nowhere is that more acute than in early stage businesses, actually. So if I think about, you know, 60% of our client base now are actually like series A companies who have a head of sales. But obviously, at a Series A company, you haven't yet developed out your full revenue leadership team. So the head of sales really has to be a VP of sales, a VP of marketing, and sometimes a VP of success as well, and an SDR manager, and also close their own deals and, 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 and be a player coach. So we're seeing like a real need for like Series A heads of sales who are scaling AE and SDR BDR teams just to plug a gap. Because also typically those companies can't afford enablement people yet to come in and do this manually. So that for us is like a really core time in terms of like a, a need for for you hubs. That said, you know, with the work we've done on competencies and how we're baselining sales teams, our biggest client today is Zoom, Zoom Inc. Uh, you know, we're baselining their North American seller base uh, as we speak with plans to, to globally baseline 1,500 sellers. So it's a pretty broad spectrum of everything in between that, but we do specialize in B2B SaaS. Yep. But, you know, so I, I'd say, you know, like the core is you're ahead of sales, you're trying to understand how to build the best team possible, but you just don't have the time. And, and you know, that's the gap that we're, we're plugging for them. Okay. Do you have a path for SDR, BDR that
0: wants to become account executive? Do you have a path for account executive that wants to become... Samsung. So 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 you have this path as well that you can offer. Okay.
1: Yeah, exactly. Right. And you know, our, our vision of what we're doing is we call it enablement as a service. We we want to help sellers and their managers navigate the career path. We want to help them develop from, you know, day one that they come into the team and develop and grow them right up to the day that they, they leave or or progress or promote. So, you know, we we try to be that that buddy, that assistant to to help guide them on that development journey. So last point that I want to make, I want to speak about technology. So of
0: course, you are very excited about what you guys do now. Great technology to support the development of your team. What else would you put around you guys to be successful? And when I'm saying, what else I'm talking about, you know, automation, CRM, I think now is a bit of a commodity. You need to have one question of which one is the best for your company. But is there any automation tool? Is there any uh, conversational intelligence tool? You know, what do you see as the ecosystem of successful sales machine in a
1: Series A and beyond type of organization? It's a fantastic question. And I get asked this every day by clients because the landscape is moving so quickly, you know, that there's there's been so much investment in sales technology in the past three to five years. So I, look, I, I, I would start off from, from the beginning, right? So let's say you've just raised your Series A. Founder-led sales has got you to a million ARR. You've hired that that head of sales to come in and build out the function and, and the team. You may at that point have a small SDR function, or you may have outsourced it to someone like Operatics. You've probably then got one or two AEs that you're bringing into the business as well to accelerate growth. At that point, CRM, although surprisingly, you know, <laughs> some businesses still don't have a proper CRM at that stage. CRM will take as a as a given. Yeah, we typically see if they are doing outbound in-house sales engagement technology will be the natural second tool that they'll add to that stack. Something like a Sales Loft or an Outreach. There's a number of other great tools in the market now as well. So sales engagement is the one that we typically see as as number two. I think number three, um, just in terms of getting visibility over conversations, if you're not using the call intelligence features within those tools because I know both those tools that I mentioned do have CI. We quite often see companies invest in a specialist CI tool as kind of tool number three. Gong, obviously, have done amazing work in space and have, have grown really fast. We at UHubs are massive advocates of Jiminy, which is a, a UK-based alternative. We use Jiminy here at u and work closely with Tom and the team there. They're, they're great. So I'd say CI is is often a, a kind of third tool. And then it it gets to a point where you're onboarding more sellers as your business is growing. You're trying to figure out how to hire good fit salespeople. You're trying to figure out how to develop them, ramp them up quickly. And you're trying to figure out how to keep them invested in and developing. And that's really where u tends to then come in plugging in enablement as a service. And that, I'd, I'd say for the vast majority of Series A companies, you know, the only other one I'd layer on top is obviously a data provider. Yeah. You're going to need to fuel your sales engagement tool with some, some data. That's pretty much like a solid basic stack at Series A. I think once you get into Series B, things get a little bit more complex and that's when the SaaS spending really kicks off. But yeah, th- I'd think about it in terms of that, that kind of natural progression from Series A up to Series B. Yeah, that makes perfect sense
0: well look matt thank you so much for all your insight today great conversation i'm very excited that a lot of people may be maybe speaking to you at some points guys because we are we we are doing some of the things that you guys are doing but it's a little bit in silo i think we, we've got psychometric tests but i don't i don't think they are i think they're quite box standards i don't think they are really specialist to sales and we need to better ourselves so we, we we've done some tries but we get, we're getting better, but nothing is really getting towards the finish line. So uh, I'll, be, I'll be listening closely to those conversations and see what, what, what comes from them. If anyone wants to get in touch with you, Matt, to you know, get in touch, you know carry on the conversation or wants to discuss about U-Hubs and how U-Hubs could help the organization, what's the best way to get on of you?
1: Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, easiest way to reach me is my email address is matt at matt.uhubs.co.uk. And our website is www.uhubs.co.uk. I'm always open. You know, my my diary is always open to speaking to sales leaders, individual contributors, thinking about moving into leadership roles, and also other founders. You know, we've been on a fundraising journey ourselves here at u multiple rounds of institutional VC money, always open to talking about anything SaaS, growth, sales related. Sounds great. Well, thank you very much for our time today, Matt. It was an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks, Ray. Thanks for having me. Really enjoyed it.
0: You've been listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.
1: This podcast is sponsored by Gong. Gong empowers your entire go-to-market organization by operationalizing your most valuable asset, your customer interactions. Transform your organization into a revenue machine by unlocking reality and helping your people reach their full potential. Get started now at gong.io.